Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. If you need a seat, there's some room in the second row up front here. <laughs> I see one, one or two options. Um, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to see um, those of you who are teenagers and young adults just walk through the doors on Sunday morning. And uh, we, we as a church are collectively thrilled and continue to pray for the local high schools um, and for IUP. And uh, just uh, you're a whole age group. Um, I met the Lord when I was 19. So I think it is just near and dear to my heart. Um, I walk every day through high school not knowing the Lord being enslaved to sin in every way, and uh, met the Lord as a 19-year-old. So it's just a really soft spot in my heart, and um, we pray that, I know many of you are bold for the Lord, and we're going to pray that the Lord would use you, and you watch um, row by row fill up of young adults, um, teenagers and young adults. So let's pray and uh, see what the Lord has in store today. Holy Spirit, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are a God who saves. Thank you for your great love for teenagers and young adults, Lord, and um, ministering to them and just the difficulties that they navigate on a daily basis and the pressures and the stresses and the strains. And Lord, we thank you for each of them that's here this morning. We pray every single one of them would know you as their Lord and Savior, would experience your power, would taste and see that you are good, would be freed by the blood of Jesus from every sin that entangles and ensnares. And we pray that we would be different as a church because of them. And we thank you for the young, gifted evangelists that are among us in this church. We pray that you would use them, even as the, the school year winds down to introduce many, many young men and women to yourself. We do pray for a genuine revival in this area, and we thank you for what you've done in the past, and we look forward to what you're doing in the future. We ask this in your name. Amen. Today we are going um, into part two of spiritual gifts. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We uh, started a series last week on spiritual gifts. We are in part two. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to be in about eight or nine um, weeks as we go through just the section of 1 Corinthians, which is, begins at chapter 12, verse 1, and then goes the whole way through 14. And as I said last week, um, most scholars believe that the Corinthian Christians wrote letters, wrote a letter to Paul, and they asked him a bunch of questions. And one of the questions was, Paul, what about spiritual gifts? What about what's happening in our local church? And they believe, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he answers that question. And he answers it in, um, beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, the whole way through 14. I'm going to read this morning uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 11, but we're going to spend the majority of our time um, on verses 7 through 11. So look with me. Just think of all the flowers and all the vegetables you're going to eat. Um, it's a good thing to have rain in the springtime. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, 
sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to the another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The big idea of this section is that God gives gifts and we're to pursue and practice and use those gifts. And those gifts, as we will see this morning, are given to be a blessing to God's people and to the broader community at large as we seek to introduce uh, those who don't know the Lord to the Lord, as we seek to be a blessing to those who don't know the Lord by serving and helping and uh, doing all kinds of acts of service that are, are just kind acts um, we do that because we've been given gifts by the Lord to be used for the Lord and His purposes. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we're to pursue love, as we'll see when we get to chapter 13 in a few weeks. We're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So that's all of the spiritual gifts. We're to eagerly or earnestly desire. Think of something you really wanted at one time in your life. That's how we're to feel about the spiritual gifts. And the reason we're to feel that way is because these gifts are given by God to be a blessing to God's people and to the broader community. Um, I said this last week, but I'll probably say this most weeks during this series. We as a church, Saving Grace Church, we believe the gifts in the New Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be studying, we believe they have continued. So there's kind of like two big groups in Protestant Christianity, those who think the gifts have ceased and those who think that the gifts have continued. So all the miraculous gifts that we're going to look at this morning, the ones you read in the Gospels, um, the four Gospels, and the, the miracles that Jesus did, we believe that they have not ceased. Now, there are dear brothers and sisters throughout um, the history of Christianity that have different opinions on these subjects. So we want to be humble when we approach this. Uh, we want to learn from those who have different opinions on this subject. Um, they have a lot of good things to say on a variety of subjects. But on this subject, as we're going to see throughout this series, I think it's really clear that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. And we want to seek them. So it's not enough to believe that they're for today, but we actually want to seek them. And the best way to seek them is to, to understand what they are and what they're not. And so we're going to kind of walk through the different gifts throughout this series. 
I also said this last week, that this is one of the subjects, maybe the greatest subject, that personal experience seems to affect people more than the Bible. So your experience with people that maybe have um, misused some of the spiritual gifts that I just read about, or have done um, things that really were clearly not of the Lord in the name of the Lord, that may give you an aversion to anything remotely supernatural when it comes to the spiritual gifts. Or you may have had zero experience with any of these things, therefore you think, well, they can't be real either. Well, we want to we be persuaded by the Bible. So my goal of this series is to, to persuade you from Scripture that these gifts are good, they're given by God. They are, there's a right and wrong way to approach them. But we can do that confidently and in faith. And I want you to be persuaded because the Bible teaches it. Not because I'm teaching it or another pastor is teaching it, but because you see it with your own eyes in the scriptures. So this subject, like all subjects that we, we teach about, is really a Bible issue. So in our statement of faith, the very first thing in our saving grace statement of faith is this statement. The 66 books of the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, as recorded in the original manuscripts, are the inspired, infallible, inerrant, authoritative written word of God, and final authority in all matters to which they speak. So we're going to approach 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 with this understanding. This is God's word, and we want to be shaped by God's word. And here's what I want you to get. I want you to be excited about this, that if God, who is abundant and lavish, has gifts for us, we want to pursue those. We want to experience those. We want to even enjoy the, the, the blessing of those. And so we're going to just kind of walk through them this morning. So first point is God gives a variety of spiritual gifts. And here's the reason, to strengthen and build up his church. God gives gifts to strengthen his church. One of the ways that some of these gifts get misused is when people's motives go corrupt. So they, they may have gifts that seem very spectacular, whether it's the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or even the gift of preaching and teaching, but they become the center, their own glory, not the, the glory of the Lord or the good of others. And so we want to we wanna fight against those desires. And so when God gives pronounced gifts or gives even gifts that seem somewhat ordinary, the reason for the gift is super important to remember. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God gives gifts for the common good of his people. And God is abundant in the variety of gifts that he, get, he has given. We're going to look throughout the series at a number of the gift lists in the New Testament. None of those gift lists I don't think are exhausting, meaning they don't, they don't give every nuance of gift and ability that God gives. They're, they're just broad categories. God is very lavish and abundant, and he gives a wide variety of gifts. And I want you to be persuaded, if you have turned from your sins, trusted in Jesus Christ, you have been given gifts by God, 
by the living God, the God who made the stars in the sky, who made the flowers, the birds that are singing this morning. He actually gave you gifts to be a blessing to others. And part of this series hopefully will be an adventure of of discovering or rediscovering those gifts or even pursuing the Lord and asking him to give you more gifts, more abilities that would be a blessing to God's people. Listen to this scripture. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and that the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So he's using the human body as an analogy that God's church, God's local church, God's church universal, all Christians throughout the world, are, play different parts in the body of Christ. Um, and then he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So God gives gifts, and we're to use them, and we're to use them not for our own glory, but for the good of others. Then it says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. See, the, a local church is thriving when all of God's people are using the gifts God has given them for the good of others. That's a thriving local church. God's church universal is thriving when all its different expressions throughout the world, where there's men and women who have encountered the living God, they're no longer living for themselves or their own glory, and they're living to be a blessing to others in their church and in their community. That's what we're hoping. That's the prayer. I mean, maybe think of it this way. A local church should be like, like a, a world-class orchestra. So a world-class orchestra is made up of world-class musicians. But the individual parts put all together are exponentially greater than the world-class flute player by themselves. You put them all together and you get this beautiful sound that is not possible with just one instrument. You get a great sound, but you don't get the collective sound. That's the effect of the local church. Young and old, we use all our gifts and abilities together for the common good, to be a blessing for a local church and for a local community. So now we're going to dive into some of the specifics. Point number two, God gives a diverse variety of gifts. He gives a variety of gifts. He is abundant, and he gives a variety of gifts. Now the list we're going to look at here, this is very relevant to the church in Corinth because they were um, experiencing these gifts. They were elevating some gifts over the others. So even the, the order, I believe, is intentional by the Apostle Paul. Um, but in this list, uh, these gifts might for us fa fall more into the category of spectacular or extraordinary, even though the Apostle Paul doesn't use those words. But these are, these are words, if you're a very logical-minded person, these might not fit into your box real well. And that's okay. Because a God who had no beginning 
is the one who gave them to you. Think about that for a moment. We want our minds to to be stretched with God's word here. So look at verse 8 again and through 10. And what we're going to do is we're just going to go section by section through these few verses and just talk about them. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. God gives lots of gifts. What you think about these gifts is not a salvation issue. You are saved if you trust in Jesus Christ alone. You are united with brothers and sisters who have different opinions on this if you trust in Jesus alone. But we're going to see that God gives an abundant, abundant amount of gifts. And they, they're, they're diverse and they're, they're nuanced. So, I don't think every gift, even in that same category, let's say it's administration. There are people that can administrate uh, the activities of five children. There are people that can administrate the United States of America. You know, it's the same gift, different degrees. God is very lavish and abundant. Uh, Anybody want to take a guess? How many species of fish are there alive in the world in today as of 2020 according to fish base can't look at your phone how many fish in the world in the world how many not five million that's a big number so we got 156 and five million I'll just tell you the answer because you're both way off 34,300 species of fish that's a lot of fish and you think about it some of those species are going to look very similar to one another with kind of some nuanced differences. I think that's how when God gifts people, there's not one person that has an identical gifts and abilities as the other. They they fall into categories, then our personality comes into play, our life experience comes into play, our age comes into play. Um, All those things come into play, and they're all to be part of the body of Christ, working towards the common good. Uh, Peter talks about the gifts this way. Uh, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So it's for the common good, serve one another. As God's stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. See, God gives these ordinary gifts like serving or the gift of helps or the gift of administration or the gift of teaching that we think are just kind of these common gifts. And then he gives these gifts that we might put into the more extraordinary category. What's interesting is God doesn't do that. He, he says that God's spirit is in all of those gifts. But we do that. You do that. I do that. So think of it this way. If a TikTok video came up and it said five blind men and women instantly healed and received sight. Okay, that's the one option you get to look at. Got a minute to kill. 
And the other option is church administrator administrates church service. Okay, you got two, you got one minute of your life to waste your time. Which one are you going to look at? You're going to look at the blind people that are suddenly healed? Or are you going to look at the video with the church administrator administrating the church service? Maybe one or two of you might go church administrator. We're all going to look at the miracle. We want to see the miracle happen. But all these gifts are given by God. It's, I think it's more us who puts them into different categories. So we're going to walk through um, this list, and it's primarily more in the, most likely more in the extraordinary category. But I want you to decide for yourself. So let's look. And before we do that, I want to read this, this quote by Sam Storms um, from this book called Spiritual Gifts. What, what he does in this book is he actually um, writes about every verse of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. And this is what he says kind of in the intro of the book. The church desperately needs an infusion of the supernatural activity of God into its life and ministry. Whereas all spiritual gifts require the energizing presence of the same God, these nine, the nine we're going to look at, are by nature more overt and powerful, at least in terms of their visible and vocal impact. So I would agree 100% with Sam Storms. We need the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives that fall into this category. Now, if you've been coming for a while, you might be thinking, is this the same church that keeps going line by line that just took us through the whole book of Hebrews and is looking at the temple and the tabernacle and how Jesus fulfilled it? It's the same church. We have a really high view of the Bible. We have a high view of theology. And we have a high view of God's spirit and the gifts that he gives. And both coupled together are this beautiful combination. If humility is in the middle of those, and that's what we're aiming for. Sam Storms is one of a handful of pastors and theologians that would fall, present day, uh, would fall into both sides of that, which is why I go to him a lot. But we, we, we need power. We need truth and we need power. They don't cancel each other out. Think about yourself, things that you might be enslaved to. You need power and truth. You need to know there's something far greater and there's consequences before the Lord, but you need the Holy Spirit's power to push you out of that. I think of particularly uh, men and women who are enslaved to alcohol addiction and drug addiction. They need truth and they need power. They need power from the Holy Spirit to set them free. And so we're, we're aiming for both and we're praying for both. And God, I believe, gives both. So let's walk through the list one by one here. So God gives gifts. First thing we see is God gives supernatural wisdom. Verse 8a. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. So this seems to be, and I want you to wrestle through it, this seems to be something God's Spirit does and He gives unique wisdom 
probably most likely for a particular situation. And it's given by the Holy Spirit. And it's something we can ask for. I mean, I think about biblical example, maybe the ultimate biblical example is King Solomon. He was given great supernatural wisdom by the Holy Spirit. So we can, we can pray. Maybe you are pressed into a situation that if you go left, it looks like you're stuck. If you go right, it looks like you're stuck. If you go forward, it looks like you're stuck. If you turn around, it looks like you're stuck. Well, what do you need there? You need wisdom from on high, from the Holy Spirit. Maybe collectively as a local church, we need wisdom. So we want to pursue that and seek that. Next one, God gives knowledge. This is 1 Corinthians 12. B, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. One of the challenges with these first couple is there's not a lot of detail about what they they mean. There's some, if you do a biblical study, you'll see them show up in different places. You also see examples, I think, of them in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. So there's there's a, a little bit of a debate among those who believe in the spiritual gifts. Is this a word of knowledge, a sudden insight? that you cannot know except the Holy Spirit brought it to mind? I think it could be. Or is this this a combination of wisdom and insight? I think it could be. I think you, we're going to get into this further, but I think what's clear, it's something unique that's a gift from the Holy Spirit. That, and what we're going to see is these, these gifts, they don't, They don't fit into nine type boxes. They're going to be majorly overlapping. So let's say you don't believe that this utterance of knowledge is a specific word of knowledge about a uh, person or situation that you wouldn't know apart from the Holy Spirit. Well, that's okay, but I think the gift of prophecy is that at times. So I think the Bible teaches that. And which box it fits in, I'm I'm not sure if that, that matters as much as we are to just seek and ask the Lord, Lord, Give us insight for the common good of the church. For the common good of maybe a a brother or sister that you are praying for. Lord, give give me insight that would be a blessing to them. God gives wisdom. God gives supernatural knowledge. God gives gifts of faith. Look at verse 9. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, in context, I don't believe he's talking about saving faith at all here. He's talking about uh, a confidence in the Lord in the moment that is from the Lord, that there is no human reason that you are confident, but you are confident in the Lord. You're not self-confident. You're confident in the Lord. I've experienced this many, many times as a Christian. And usually in the most difficult times. Remember 10 years ago when my mom suddenly passed away. She went to the hospital, thought she had the flu. She, she passed away the next day. Sudden, sad tragedy. I don't know how to explain it, but there was faith and trust and confidence in the Lord immediately from the Lord. There was sadness. There was sorrow. But there was no doubt. There was no doubting God's character. There was no charging God's character. There was this supernatural, unexplained trust and peace. Um, I've been a pastor for about 17 years, and there's been times over the years that uh, get into some 
challenging situations. And probably the most challenging situation I've ever been in was a few years ago. And I'm not going to tell you the situation, but I'll tell you, I know you want to know the situation. I'm not going to tell you the situation. But in that situation that was very tense, very uncomfortable, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence in an extremely powerful way. And with that came faith and confidence that the Lord was at work, the Lord was actively at work. And so, though I was anxious, was stirred up, was challenged in many ways, I, was, I experienced, I think, a supernatural gift of faith that carried through that, that season that, of the church. And that's a gift from the Lord. That's a gift you can ask for. Lord, I need faith. For this situation that's a gift many of you have experienced and you can keep asking and praying for god gives gifts of faith and they are for the common good i can think of many times one of the one of the hardest things for me with the peak of covid when the room was empty and preaching to a camera is none of you were here one of the beauties of being in a local church for a long time is is seeing you go through hard, difficult things and respond in faith. And that has, I know it has an effect across the church for the common good. When one is suffering and responds in confidence, singing to the Lord and obedience to the Lord, it has this incredible strengthening effect on God's people across the board. That's a wonderful, wonderful gift. Next one. God gives gifts of healing to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. God heals today. I don't believe healing in the Bible was just for um, the days when Jesus was walking on earth or the, the centuries that just, or the decades that followed right after. No, I, I believe they're still for today. So let's run through the Bible on this subject really fast. God made Adam and Eve. They had no sin, no sickness, nothing. All was well. Sin entered the world. With that came human corruption. And with that came disease and sickness and suffering. And with Jesus, when he came, he, he began to, he solved the problem. And so the way he solved the problem was he died on the cross as a substitute for our sins. When he hung in blood, he took the wrath, the punishment for the, the rebellion that we inherited from Adam and Eve upon himself. And because of that, all who look to him, and he rose from the grave on the third day, and all who look to him can be saved. And we have God's spirit in us. God's spirit frees us from that enslaving sinful nature though it still resides. And while Jesus was on earth, he began to roll back some of the effects of the fall. So he healed many, many people while he was on earth, particularly in this three-year window of ministry. But all those people that he healed, as far as we know, they, they all died. So they all were healed, and then they eventually died. So we're in this tension of this, what theologians call this already, but not yet. So God gives gifts of healing, and at times, he, he thinks it's best for, for prolonged sickness to happen. But 
The only reason he thinks it's best, not because he thinks it's good, it's just the effects of the fall. One day when Jesus returns, there will be permanently no more sickness, suffering of any sort, of any kind, no cancer, no death. It will be all swallowed up. But we're in that in-between time. But in that in-between time, it is right and appropriate to pray for healing. God gives gifts of healing. And we submit them to the Lord. I've seen the Lord heal people. I've seen the Lord not heal people. But I continue to believe what the Bible says. He gives gifts of healing. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray in faith. And we're going to submit to the Lord as we do so. He gives gifts of healing. And we're going to get into this a little bit more um, in a week or two as well. As we're going through this series, if you have questions, you want to talk through things, we would love to talk through these things with you. One of the passages to look at, do some homework on, is James 5, 13 through 18. It's the passage that, that says, um, basically a summary would be, we're just like Elijah. Elijah prayed and miracles happened. We can pray and miracles happen. If you're sick, call on the elders to pray and the prayer of faith will be, be answered. So God gives gifts of healing. Next one, God gives gifts of miracles. This is another broad category. Obviously, healing is a miracle. So it it has some overlap, but it says to another, the working of miracles. A miracle is is just that. It's it's something supernatural and powerful. In Jesus' day, we we saw people uh, just possessed with demons. He would show up or the disciples would show up and and they would be freed. That, That is miraculous could be an impossible situation where you're praying, Lord, I need something miraculous to happen here. It could be miraculous provision. It could be a miraculous working in a, just a very difficult relationship that maybe is decades old. And the only thing you can think to do right now is, Lord, would you show up in a powerful, miraculous way? Listen to what John says. This is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. And when Jesus went to the Father, we received the Holy Spirit. And so this incredible promise here. And if you're thinking, what are some of these works? Well, listen to the volume of works that Jesus did that we can do more of. John 21, 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, Jesus did a lot. And somehow, we collectively as God's people, filled and empowered with His Holy Spirit, we can do more for the common good to be a blessing. God gives miracles. God gives the gift of prophecy. To another, prophecy. This, this is, these, um, some theologians would put this in the category of revelatory gifts, where you, you know something that you can only know from the Holy Spirit. The, if you're looking for a bigger book to read on this subject, read Wayne Grudem's book 
on New Test- the New Testament gift of prophecy. If you want to borrow a copy, you can borrow mine. Um, here's here's um, his definition, which I think is a good definition of New Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy is best understood as a non-authoritative, specific revelation from God spoken through a Christian with the purpose of building up the church. Non-authoritative means it's not on par with the Bible. The Bible is our authority. So when someone shares something, like Marcy shared this morning, we, we run that through the grid of Scripture. Scripture is the authority. It's non-authoritative, but it, it's something that God prompts. And it's to have an effect. I'll give you two personal examples in my own life and then an example from uh, Charles Spurgeon. So when I was about 20 years old, we would go on these mission trips to New York City and uh, to do different things. And so we, one day we were in a soup kitchen serving people soup, and there was a bunch of, of homeless people there, and there was um, some college, a bunch of college students, and we're just kind of all doing our own thing. And I don't even know what I was doing at the moment. And this older man came up to me out of everybody, and he said, he was pretty intense. He's like, you are going to be a preacher. And um, so I think that fell into the gift of prophecy. What that man didn't know, didn't know his name, never met him since, um, is I was praying, I was thinking, I was talking to pastors here, I was exploring the call to ministry. Um, and so that was a very encouraging thing. So I wrote it in my journal. What I didn't do with that is tell everybody, oh no, I, I have to be a pastor because this guy that I, I've never met, that I don't know his first name, he told me that I'm going to. So you put it in its proper context. So with calling to be a pastor, the Bible has a lot to say. So the Bible becomes the authority. Local church life becomes really helpful in that process. And underneath all that, can be those moments where the Lord just wants to encourage. Um, another time, around the same time period, as a senior in college, and I was going to a church in town that I loved. I, I mean, I loved, 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 loved. Came back for my senior year of college and um, went to that church. First Sunday, you're back, you know, getting to see people, excited. I no sooner stepped on the front step of that porch, which is on Church Street, and I felt like the Lord said to me, this is not the place I want you. I was crushed. And I, but I felt like it was from the Lord. And um, Aletheia Brewer's in the room here somewhere. The next Sunday, her dad invited me to this church, um, which I didn't like when I first came. Just didn't like it. It was just, I don't know, I, something I didn't like about it. And, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to be here. Now, I didn't know that I would eventually be a pastor. I didn't know any of that when that impression was given to me from the Lord, but I really think it was from the Lord. And then Alethea's dad was used next few days to bring me to this local church. See, the Lord speaks, and it, it's to be encouraging. Um, there are, if you're, if you're wrestling through these things, look through the book of Acts and see the different people that prophesied. Look up Agabus, and see how he prophesied. On a number of occasions, he prophesied. He wasn't, he wasn't, he prophesied of a famine. He prophesied of Paul's persecution. He wasn't on par with the Old Testament prophets. He wasn't on par with the written 
um, revealed word of God, but he prophesied. The apostle Peter's daughters were all, all prophesied. They all had the gift of prophecy. So it's in there, and that's what I said. When we go through these gifts, we want to be biblical. One of my favorites is Charles Spurgeon, who um, was a cessationist in, in doctrine, let's say. He didn't believe these gifts existed. Ironically, he operated in these gifts at times when he preached. So I want to read an example, and you can read this in his biography. Um, so Sam Storm says, Consider the incident from the ministry of Charles Spurgeon, perhaps the greatest preacher of the 19th century. While preaching at Exeter Hall in London, he once broke off into a sermon and pointed in a direction. So he's preaching at a large hall in, in, in London, and here's what, what happened. He looks at a man and he says, Young man, those gloves you are wearing have not been paid for, for you have stolen them from your employee. So right in the middle of a sermon, God who doesn't believe in the gift of prophecy is, I believe, prophesying. After the service, an obviously pale and agitated young man approached. Spurgeon approached Spurgeon and begged to speak with him privately. He had a pair of gloves on the table, and he said, It's the first time I have robbed my master. I will never do it again. You won't expose me, sir, will you? It would kill my mother if she heard I had become a thief. And then uh, Sam Storm says, Spurgeon could not have learned this information about the young man from reading the Bible. It was undeniably spontaneous, overtly supernatural, and revelatory. Then he says this in his biography that you can read. This is on page 227 of his bi biography. He said, I could tell as, as many of a dozen similar cases in which I pointed at somebody in the hall without having the slightest knowledge of the person or any idea that what I said was right except that I believed I was moved by the Spirit to say it. And so striking has been my description that the persons have gone away and said to their friends, come see a man that told me all things that I had ever done. Beyond a doubt, he must have been sent by God to my soul or else he could not have described me so exactly. That's the gift used for the common good. It can, it can show up in different expressions. It can be abused for sure and misused in many ways. But so can the gift of teaching. So can the office of pastor. But just because there's misuse of it doesn't mean we, we chuck it all. We, if this is something the Lord has, we want to we wanna seek it. We want to pursue it. And as we were, we were singing when Aiden was leading us, the band can come up now. We're not going to talk about tongues today. We're going to go into that um, in the future because I'm not naive enough to start that right now. <laughs> I once was, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, that's right. Yeah, quick two minutes. Um, as I, we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord really wanted to minister to high school students and college students whose moms or dads do not know the Lord. Um, I really believe the Lord wants to encourage you that He is powerful, He is mighty, He hears your prayers, they see your transformation, and He wants you to keep pursuing Jesus. And as you pursue Jesus, you're going to watch 
family members come to know the Lord. So let's stand. We're gonna, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And I want to pray especially for the high school and college students who fall into that category. Lord, you know their hearts. You know their burdens. You know their difficulties and their confusion. Lord, you know their hurt at times. You know they wonder why they seem further in maturity than maybe their mom or dad. Lord, would you give them faith for the long haul of being a son or daughter that is salt and light in, a, in, a, in darkness. Maybe in an extended family that maybe they're the only one that knows the Lord yet. Lord, would you use them? Would you strengthen them? Would you build them up? Would you give them great patience? Would you give them great love and affection for their moms and dads and brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles that don't yet know you? And Lord, would you use them powerfully? And Lord, would you take care of the hurt and the pain and may you remove it in a pronounced and powerful way? Lord, we love your word and we love the Holy Spirit speaks and encourages us. We seek you. And Lord, may you fill us all freshly with your spirit as we sing to you today. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.